Happy Sunday morning, Salt Lake City, Provo, Orem, and Colville. You're listening to AM 1280 and 97.5 FM The Zone. This is SLC Culture, a weekly meandering through the arts, culture, social issues, community happenings, and just general newsworthy things that uh, affect the greater Salt Lake Metroplex. I am your host, Christian Anderson. New title, uh, new title. I am a consultant. I am a arts and culture consultant these days. That's what I am calling myself. Uh, with me is the inimitable Christy Marcy, uh, cultural maven, music aficionado, and a person with an opinion or two. Christy, how are you this morning? I'm doing okay. How are you? Good. Yeah, I, I'm liking sort of, I'm, I'm thinking consultant. I was trying on lobbyist for a little bit when I was up at various Sundance things. I was like, I, yeah. I could be a producer. Uh-huh. I feel like that's sort of the catch-all term. Everybody's for, a producer everybody's during a Sundance, produ- right? Yep. Uh, I tell you, Bumble was hard to navigate in the last week with Sundance in town. Is I didn't. Is Bumble just a meeting someone for a week kind of thing? Well, it geolocates you, right? Mm. So, like, if you're in town and you have the app, then you are in town you're, on the app. Then you're fair game. Then you're fair game. So our regular listeners might remember. Actually, I don't know if this has come up with you, uh, Millennial Alex. Sorry, producing is Millennial Alex. Uh, that Christy, when she was at the Salt Lake Magazine, wrote a online dating feature. That's true. I wrote an a, a entire article about dating in Salt Lake City. Uh, with, specifically so with the time, o- online called, side, right? Yeah. For a long time, you called me a dating expert when you introduced me. Yeah, but on the now radio. I've gotten to know you better, and I would That's never make that not, claim. Not, not an expert. Uh, yeah, so so Bumble, huh? Bumble. Well, did you have any dates based off of this Sundance stuff? I certainly did not. I avoided all of that. I have not had any dates at all. I'm looking. Did you have any inquiries? Um, so, <laughs> I mean, we could have a whole show about, about the swiping, well, if you'd well like. The, well, but I want to talk about the technology, and this is going to be an amazing segue. Okay. So I'm setting up. I'm setting up here, so you got to follow and me through. And it's a better segue than you even know, actually, probably, oh. but... Uh, so the the way that Bumble works for for the people who have not gotten to experience this exciting side of being single uh, is that you swipe right if you're interested in somebody, and then if they also swipe right, you have a match. But then because Bumble is the feminist app, then the woman has to reach out first. Oh, you have 24 hours, or else the connection goes away. Oh, okay. So yeah. so you can't be bom- but just due to the the nature of Bumble, you cannot be bombarded. No. Hmm. No, you cannot. So is this? Uh, so forgive me, uh, as a person mm-hmm. who's never online dated, it, does it depending on the convention or the thing that's happening in town? Do you get sort of a different milieu of people? So, uh, yeah, like you will get people who are in town skiing. I like that Alex is is nodding his head in agreement. Right. Do you with use me. Do you use Bumble, Alex? Uh, yes, among the other apps that I also have. Oh, do you have a panoply of dating oh. apps? I, I do. I've got seven of them currently. Whoa. Whoa! I didn't even know there were seven. Yeah, there. Uh, it's an unfortunate. But it's not something isn't it I'm all of. the same people? Uh, Mostly, you do see a lot of overlap, but yeah. like each one has its own subculture. I've found, and so it, you know, you kind of get these different pockets based on the apps. Okay. Mm. And, and are you strictly Bumble? Strictly Bumble. Okay. What mm-hmm. and what's your preferred app, Millennial Alex? Uh, none of them. But <laughs> I mean, you know, beggars can't <laughs> be choosers. So, <laughs> there's the name for our new app, new tech startup, dating thing. Beggars can't be choosers for the less picky people out in our community. What I was what I was going to tell oh. you though Christian is that um the woman who started Bumble I have heard uh, is from Utah originally. Oh, oh so interesting. I tried to interview her once but she did not take my interview requests. So, there you go. Well, you know, this is a thing. So, when I moved here from Seattle and my mind turned to Utah and you know going to run the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art, 
I thought about tourism. You know, I thought about skiing. I was like, we've got a ski culture. We got Sundance. Uh, perhaps we have the Mormon Tabernacle Choir or the ta- the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I did not realize is that there were so many, uh, like your Bumble friend, technology startups and that it was such a tech hub. I'm not sure that it even was as much when you moved. It certainly wasn't when I moved here 20 years ago. This is a this is a relatively new development. If only there were one, some sort of organizing body to help talk about the development of technology here in the greater Salt Lake Metroplex. And two, perhaps if there was a gathering of these people to talk about the technology sector and why Utah is is such a good place to start a tech business. I think that that's an award-winning idea. Hmm. Hmm. Where could we find such people? Ask me what I did last week. What did you do last week? I went to the Silicon Slope Summit. Did you? I did. And that is exactly what you were suggesting should exist. Wow. I know. If only we could have someone from Silicon Slopes on as a guest as well to talk about that, mm-hmm. which this is my segue because with uh-huh. us today is you're Clark so Cahoon. Hey, Clark, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Uh, so, Clark, your, your day job is with the Governor's Office of Economic Development, right? That's true. I work with the life science industry and manage a technology grant program. And, you know, that would seem to me in terms of uh, bringing, you know, technology, life sciences that uh, that that. That would be a, what was I saying? Oh, that just seems to me to dovetail into sort of the Silicon Slope stuff. So you work on a state level on this. So what is Silicon Slopes uh, in terms of the summit that just happened the past couple of days? And then what is Silicon Slopes the rest of the year? Or is it just the summit? Or like, what is Silicon Slopes? Yeah, let's break it down. So I volunteer on the side to kind of support the Salt Lake City chapter of Silicon Slopes. And basically what that means is there's a group of guys and gals, and we put together programming uh, tied around the technology kind of uh, industry here within Salt Lake City. Uh, what what Silicon Slopes is is much, much larger. It's, it's something that's kind of evolved over the last several years. And I can get deep into the history if you'd like, but long story short, it's a brand mm-hmm. that helps kind of tell the story of what's going on with technology in Utah. And it's a powerhouse right now. So, you know, California has Silicon Valley. We have Silicon Slopes. If you put the two together, is it Silicon Plains? And is that something that exists in like a Kansas or a Nebraska? Well, what's between us is a large desert mm. uh, in Nevada. So I'd say it's like the Silicon Desert, mm. maybe. Sounds very shiny. Uh, actually, let's get into a little bit of the history of Silicon Slopes, because I think Christy made a good point that like 20 years ago, you know, we weren't thinking about Utah as, uh, as a tech hub. And I, am, I feel like, you know, I've been here for six years and I've and maybe it was just the job that I came into, but I feel like Silicon Slopes was at least a brand that I was aware of relatively swiftly after I got here. So what is the history of Silicon Slopes and why why are we such a prime area for tech? It's a great question. So it came about in an interesting way. There was a tech entrepreneur who made uh, a lot of money and had a lot of sway. And when he was raising money for his first company, he wanted to kind of brand what was going on in Utah and kind of kind of show people in the Bay Area how it's similar here in some ways. And so he came up with Silicon Slopes. There was another group that came a little bit later called Beehive Startups. So Beehive Startups came after Silicon Slopes was established, but Silicon Slopes wasn't doing anything other than kind of being this idea and this brand. It hadn't really caught on yet. Beehive Startups had a lot of uh, interaction with the community. They put on events. They actually had what was called Startfest. And then what happened is those two groups came together and formed Silicon Slopes kind of took that branding, uh, you know, portraying Utah mm-hmm. as, hey, we're tech, but we've got the mountains and mm-hmm. we've got skiing. So here are the slopes that we want to kind of, you know, put forth in front of everyone. Using slopes and skiing as a branding thing for Utah. Who'd have Novel thought? Novel idea. Yeah. Who, who would have thought? 
Um, and so, so what? When I think of tech off the top of my head, um, you know, I, I think of like Domo, right? I think of Experticity. I think of interesting. If I was guessing in Salt Lake, I would say Ancestry.com. Um, what are some of the you know? What are some of the successful stories that have sort of brought this national attention to our community? And what are some of the ones that are like maybe doing tr- like incredibly large scale things but fly a little bit under the radar because they might not have a Josh James at their Helm. Right. So I, I'd point to what Qualtrics did with selling to SAP for $8 billion as kind of a, uh, a pivotal moment within Silicon Soaps and Utah tech scene. Uh, you mentioned experticity. They're, they've been rooted in Salt Lake City. In fact, they're called Expert Voice now. Huh. They, they've kind of had a few branding changes, but uh, they're, they're very active and they love being right in the heart of downtown and being a tech company. It's, it's something that differentiates them from a lot of the other companies that you kind of mentioned as well that are down to the point of the mountain, whether that's Lehigh. Uh, some of them are down in Provo a little bit as well. But the momentum that we're seeing right now is that not only are there some really interesting software companies, there's some really unique life science companies or kind of health technology companies, and those are kind of taking root within Salt Lake City. Recursion is one of them. Uh, we've had Myriad Genetics up at Research Park, that, uh, technology that came out of the University of Utah, which, in my opinion, kind of flies under the radar from time to time, and a lot, a lot of really small companies as well. So what do these biotech, you know, I, the, as a person who is in the arts and someone says biotech, and I'm like, are we creating human cyborgs with, with with fancy skin, like are we doing heart stents? Are we uh, are we trying to fight the coronavirus that's coming out of China? Like, I mean, what? Yes. Anything having to do anything having to do with cells? Mm-hmm. That seems like a very broad brush. Biofire. Yeah, that's a big mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so the, the biotech scene is something that is kind of working in that space, but it's kind of overlapping into other areas. So. Diagnostics uh, as as a, as a device as a tool is big in Utah. Biofire is one of those. Uh, that's kind of taking software and putting it into a device and and helping people with with uh, with their health and, and discovering different diseases. There's there's a lot in that space, and Salt Lake City is actually kind of the hub for all that. So, Millennial Alex, you've been uh, you've been out of school for a couple of years now. Um, when you grew up here in the Murrays and went to school here, when you were thinking about your career opportunities. Um, was this something like the tech scene, the the biotech scene, something? Was that something that people thought of for jobs when you were, when you were a kid? Like, you know, growing up in Minnesota, uh, you know, I thought of you know 3M and I thought of Wells Fargo. I thought a lot of sort of banking and that sort of, but also some Minnesota things. You know, like your 3M or uh, you know Mayo. There's some a lot of like medical tech that's um, that's in Minnesota. So when people were talking about getting a good job out of school, you know, you had a lot of your those sort of things. I don't know. Was any of that like? Was that something that you were thinking of when you were coming to to school as a as a wee tyke here? Uh, me personally, or, or just not, amongst your peers. Yeah. You, remember, you speak for literally all millennials. All so. millennials <laughs> ever. Uh, so me personally, it wasn't something that was ever on my radar just because I was, I think, blissfully unaware. Hmm. Uh, but I do have a number of friends now that kind of work in tech that that seems to have been the plan all along. And so I, you know, I think that that was something that was a little bit more on the radar. And I just kind of didn't know about it until later in life. But. Yeah, J.R.R. Tolkien was not a huge advocate for going and having a career in tech. So I guess the influences that we have push us into particular directions. Uh, so I lived in Seattle before I came here, and it, that's one of those interesting things because you know Microsoft and, and Amazon have such a large presence there along with Boeing and, and other people. But I, I played on a, a kickball team a, as, as you do. I mean, that's sort of a Gen X millennial kind of what? Oh, the, yeah. Uh, I played on a kickball team, and I had a lot of people who, it was fascinating, because they would, 
you know, they'd be senior project managers at Microsoft, and they would be there for eight months, and then they'd go to a startup that they got paid out in stock. They're like, I'm making next to nothing, but I have all of these shares, and that would last for about eight months. And then, interestingly, they go back to Microsoft. It was a fascinating community. And, you know, one of the things that I remember talking to them about was sort of bemoaning the the depth of of qualified job candidates in Seattle. So you had a lot of poaching and as fast as they were they were trying to recruit people and build housing, as you know with the housing, you know, cost crisis in Seattle, there there were more jobs and there were people. Is that something that we're facing a similar issue here? Or, I mean, we've got the lowest unemployment rate in the nation, I believe. Maybe maybe it's top 3, but it's it's really low. And because of that, we've got a high demand for jobs. We don't have enough talent to fill all those jobs. So, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of disparity there. Hmm. Well, if, uh, if any of these tech or biotech companies need an art curator, I'm, I'm set. An art consultant. An art consultant, uh-huh. that's right. An uh-huh. art consultant uh, for whatever reason that they would want someone like that. You know, just I'm, I'm happy to do so. Um, but seriously, so some of our listeners, you know, obviously we're on a sort of a, we're an arts and culture show on a sports network. Um, but so for people who are interested in finding jobs in sort of biotech or tech, where do they look? Is that something that Silicon Slopes does? Do they hold job fairs? How do they help with sort of the recruitment and retention of talent? I'd say getting involved in the community and going to events they put on is a great way to network. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they also have a careers aspect of that. But um, yeah, there, I mean, there's... Any of the major websites that you go to, you know, looking for jobs in Utah, you're going to find a plethora of opportunities. And, and, and I'd be, I, to be honest with you, there's a very wide variety of jobs. It's not just all engineers they need, although that is kind of the, the main talent they're trying to find. But these companies that are growing fast, they, they actually really care about culture. And they, they want kind of a different vibe than maybe some of the companies that, that are top of mind when you think of tech. So there, there's something there, I think. It's true. I don't hear, I, I, at least in the in the media, uh, and you know, Christy, it's sort of like Alex answers for all millennials. Christy answers for all media. I do. Uh, I do. You, you never. Thanks re- for never shouting fake news at me, though. That's nice of you. I I would never. Uh, you know, I don't hear the stories in the Salt Lake, you know, the Utah tech scene about like the burnout and the hours and the sort of the culture that I associate with sort of Silicon Valley and even, you know, sort of the crunch that I associate a little bit with Microsoft and some of the things that I saw in Seattle. I feel like at least what's covered is it seems like the quality of life here uh, is a bit more chill than maybe some of those other places. It's a huge differentiator. The fact that we've got the canyons and the mountains that you can access after the slopes, work. as it were. The, you know, the slopes, if you would, yeah. even yeah. It's it's the, the, really there, there's that there's that aspect that uh, Utah's you know unparalleled with with some of the other kind of Mountain West economies that are kind of popping up as well. It's a really unique feature. Uh, so speaking of gatherings. Um, the two of you can speak both as part, sort of probably part of helping bring the Silicon Slopes uh, Summit, uh, and someone who is planning on attending said Silicon Summit. Um, what are the two of you, as sort of a, a, a producer or as part of one of the chapters that's producing this, uh, Christy? You as an attendee, what are you? What, tell us a little bit. I guess first, what what were the conference was, and and Christy, what you as a person who uh, is sort of tangentially into this industry at this point, uh, where hope why did you go? So, anyways, first let's start with what it was and then let's go with the why are you why are you going sure so in 2018 there's about 15,000 people 2019 last year there's about 24,000 people and this year there's about the same it was it was massive there's just a, a, a it's it's crazy salt palace the salt palace okay. 
nice. I mean, and to to put that, you know, I mean, twenty four thousand people at the Silp House. That's quite a few. Uh, for those of you who remember the United Nations conference that was here that shut down a lot of various parts of downtown. I mean, that was five thousand. So I mean, this is a this is a substantive uh, a substantive event. Uh, and so what is so why are we bringing all these people together? And sort of what was the what's the point? So the point is to highlight what's going on in Utah. Uh, there is a recruitment effort, so we want to bring people from outside of the state to kind of see what's going on in technology and kind of wave that flag. That's why Mark Zuckerberg was there, and, and they brought in other CEOs from other spaces to to kind of say, hey, I don't know if you know about this, but don't sleep on Utah. There's something really unique here. And and with that, there's there's 14 different tracks. So there's breakout sessions in the afternoon. There's 14 different tracks of, of the, you can go and, and visit. And it's I mean, there's something for everyone there. So it's not just for programmers. It's not just for business owners. It's sort of a, uh, I'm interested in jobs in the tech, so I'm networking, I'm getting in and talking about what these things are, and also sort of, you know, Mr. Zuckerberg, high-level keynote sort of things. Uh, Christy, why why you? I, um, though I am not interested in tech at all and can barely work my computer, um, I'm very interested in the focus on diversity and inclusion that are offered in the breakout sessions in the uh, in the summit, and so that's that's where I'll be. Um, it's interesting. I guess I maybe I heard that you know I this wasn't uh, you know on my radar for art museum uh, managing. Maybe it's, and I'm sure there's probably a legitimate reason that it it could very well be. But I didn't realize that Mr. Zuckerberg was coming. He's a, there's a person that that has had a lot of media and and is sort of a, a flashpoint for what is both good and bad in the technology industry. And so I guess what what do we know what the focus of the keynote was what he's talking about, or is it just a just a general Mark Zuckerberg big name draw sort of thing? I imagine it is the latter, hmm. but um, I, I haven't seen anything. But I I don't know. Hmm. It's at like five o'clock on Friday or something like that, so it's the very end. Huh. So I think it's mostly to kind of they needed a big name to bring it in, hmm. and he's I mean he's a he's a talking point. Hmm. He he's a polarizing figure right now when it comes to privacy and data. Uh, what Facebook can do. We've got elections coming up. Facebook's hmm. played a very large role in that. A lot of lot of. Uh, a lot of implications on what that platform and what he's created can do for our, even our democracy. Sure. So, is I so you talked about tracks on diversity and inclusion. Is there um, so interesting thing about Utah Valley University? Uh, everyone has to take an ethics class as part of the requirement for their time there. Uh, I think that you know technology and biotech, um, you know, ethics are. Ethics standards and best practices aren't fixed over, you know, they evolve over time as the technology and the communication styles change. Um, Certainly, you know, privacy is an issue. If we think about biotech, um, you know, should we be using CRISPR to gene edit? Maybe should we be cloning things? I don't know. These are all discussions that are are happening uh, right now. Are there some panels that are thinking about sort of responsible or the ethics of technology too? Is Is that a track? Uh, in terms of how do we take all of this technology and data and beaconing and, and do it in, a, in an ethical way? I'm sure that there is. That's just not... It's just I'm not, for nerds. I'm not, yeah, I'm not playing God in my professional role, and so that was not one that stood out to me. Hmm. Was, if not, I, I, hope, I would hope that there would be next year. How do you feel about tech? As, I mean, you're using s- literally seven different dating apps. Uh, how, many, <laughs> how, many social, how many social media apps do you have? Uh, it depends on... Like, I don't know. Does Snapchat count as social media? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's it's both. Is it? Yeah. I guess it's social media you use and it communication. To socialize. Yeah. All right. So my social media apps include Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, Instagram, GroupMe, LinkedIn, Snapchat, and Slack. 
Okay. And so do you, I mean, again, speaking for, is, is the, is digital privacy, is that even an issue f- for you? I, you know, I, when it, I think it was before you were at Umoka, Christy, but I did a, I did a show at the museum. I should say we did a show, but the, the museum when I was there did a show called Panopticon and it was all about digital surveillance and data mining. And a lot of that was based on the fact that the NSA data site was down in Bluffdale. And so when that was big in the news where they were just sort of bulk collecting data, you know, that's just a couple miles away. And, and we did an exhibition about artists who are really sort of thinking about the concepts of, of privacy and, and, you know, staunchly being in my forties, I was like freaked out about this. And then, you know, my millennial friends are like, I, I just assume I'm not living a private life and I just don't care anymore. So they were kind of like, meh. So, I don't know. Where do you fall? I kind of fall midway in there. Like, you know, as far as like Facebook and Twitter and things like that, I go into it with the approach that it's like, yeah, this is not private. I'm posting this in a public forum. And so, you know, like, but there are certain things, you know, like my personal computer, my phone, like the files and things that I keep there should be private. They shouldn't really, you know, the NSA shouldn't have access to it. So I kind of like, I have a a mid ground i think on it where it's like there are certain things that should be kept private that you know people shouldn't have access to but then there are the the social forums that i feel like if you're expecting privacy you know if you're posting the the long status update on facebook that says i don't give facebook any right to oh yeah that kind of thing it's like well you know you you clicked that you agreed to those terms and conditions so i love i love the people who post that big long thing and then still do the dna at home dna test that like (laughs) is solidifying your your footprint for all of time and eternity but they don't want facebook to steal their pictures and that's the privacy concern that they have i I do love the don't use this app because then the government has a picture a picture of your face and it's like well they already have your driver's license (laughs) so i mean your passport there's actually a sundance film i just watched um and it talks about this very issue. It's called Coded Bias, mm-hmm. and it's a really well-done documentary. And it made me really rethink not so much my online footprint, but just the ethics and the things that we need to be kind of worrying about with technology and with artificial intelligence and big data, which are like buzz hype words. But really, there's some unique features about them that we need to be educated on, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. And speaking of Zuckerberg, right, like we talk so much about Facebook and our privacy on Facebook. He created that website to rate women according to their looks when he was at college. And if that's not an American success story, like now he's influencing international elections and like we all know who he is. We do. The Facebook. The and then they Facebook. drop the, the, I miss the, the. MySpace Tom personally, but creepy MySpace Tom. Mm-hmm. Always one of your friends. Uh what was you know, it's I actually, you know, this might be a little bit of the Luddite in me. I, I don't actually even use cloud backup. Like, I don't use iCloud. I don't use any of that. All of my, all of my devices are untethered. So if, if a file's on one computer, it's stuck there until I go home and I, like, then email it to myself and open it on another thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I know. On Gmail. I, I mean, I'm pretty well screwed. I understand. <laughs> but, um, hmm. Well, it, so what are some of the, like, what are some of the successes for, for tech in the, uh, in our community in the last year like things that are like when we think about reasons why the area should be proud because we did x y and z and also what are some of the things that you're looking forward to in the next like year or two that are coming up the pipe that everybody you know our listeners should be like hey i'm proud to be i'm proud to be part of the the greater salt lake metroplex because here's these industries that are doing this it's a great question so sarah jones with the women tech council she had uh, a panel uh, she was featured at the silicon soap summit and she's incredible and she's doing a lot of work in that space just even not with women tech council but but there as well 
help, but she's got her own kind of consulting group where she'll go and do that. So I'm really encouraged by the focus that Silicon Soaps here in Utah has because we know that it's an issue. We know that we're, we, need, we have a long way to go to be more diverse. Uh, we have a lot more to do to make women feel more included in the workplace and valued, you know, wh- whether that's paying them higher wages or you know, providing child care uh, if, if they need it and things like that, which is actually a really unique feature of this summit. For the first time, they actually provided child care for those mm-hmm. that, that attended the summit, which I think was a really, um, a really thoughtful and really smart move. And I hope that there'll be more companies focusing on that. Recursion announced that they're offering uh, child care for their employees as well. And, and one of the great things about them is that they moved into uh, the Gateway Mall, which mm-hmm. was kind of struggling. They moved into Dick's Sporting Goods, which, you know, was vacant for quite a while. And they've totally revamped it. And yet here they are, like, leading out on some of these, you know, you know main main discussion points that uh, re- really need to be focused on here in Utah. So there's, there's some really encouraging things. I think also just the fact that... Um, you know, we've got the most diverse economy in the country. Uh, as, as measured by how? As measured by uh, different industries and the way that they are represented within Utah. Uh, so we were like heavy on like oil and gas, natural resources, mining, you know, 20, 30 years ago. But technology has really broadened that as well. We've got a huge aerospace and defense um, aspect kind of mostly centered up in Davis County. We also have uh, advanced materials composites, which kind of feed into that industry as well. We still do have energy and natural resources. It's a, it's a hotbed topic that pops up with, you know, our, our public lands use and things like that. But we've really broadened that, uh, that economic scope that we have. And it's a really unique feature for Utah. Did you grow up here? You know what? I'm kind of a weird situation. I was born in Canada, raised in Southern California, lived in Hawaii for seven years, and then moved here in 2012, thinking I'd leave after a year and year or two. And I just fell in love with the city. And I'm, I got married to a Utah gal. I work for the state. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. And I, I think I'm probably here forever. Wow. That's a long <laughs> time. Um, what part of Canada? Southern Alberta. Oh. He's a Albertian sort yeah, of. I, I lived for a few years in Edmonton. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah, I was born just outside of Edmonton, but my my dad's family's all from like you can look at the mountains and see Glacier National Park and Waterton Lakes National Park okay. from their house in the the rolling plains of Alberta. Hmm. Nice. Very it's rural. down like Raymond McGrath kind of uh, around a those small areas. town called Levitt, which is outside okay. of Cardston, which yep. is really easy just to like blink and you're past yep. it. I you know I have driven the. Uh, almost the entirety of the Transcan and you know as once you sort of get over the mountains and start getting into the plains of Alberta yeah it all sort of blends together until basically you hit Thunder Bay as near as I can tell I'm like "Mm." I I just want the world to know I'm a huge fan of Justin Trudeau's beard oh I didn't know he had a beard yeah he grew a beard there's this whole thing like now on the internet about like men in their 40s who have existential crises and and grow beards but but it's, uh, it's a thing. Are you talking thing. about, are you talking about Ted Cruz? Because he's one of those. Dudes. Well, <laughs> I don't know I'm, if I want to talk I'm about. I'm not such a fan guy. of Ted Cruz's beard, Nor am but I. Uh, but yeah, Justin Trudeau's beard. It's a little salt and pepper. It is. Uh, it, it, it was it was solidly dark until he took over as prime minister and then had a couple of uh, issues and now he's getting a little of the salt. Putting pepper. a prime in prime minister. Ah, yeah. that's uh-huh. actually that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I've got some some more. I'll tell you. As her. a half Canadian, that was um, that was very well I placed. Love him. So, do you have an inherent love of curling and hockey? So, no, but also yes. My most Canadian moment was visiting some friends who have a property on the Belly River. Mm-hmm. And it froze over, so we're talking real cold mm-hmm. if a river froze over. And over that, they actually were using rocks and brooms for curling. And that was my first experience ever curling. It was about six years ago. It mm-hmm. was seriously wild. So, I think we have a disproportionate amount of people with Canadian connections on our show. 
well, it's arts and culture. I mean, I think that they are a neighbor to the north that spends a lot on arts and culture. And I mean, I think both in film, music, uh, television, visual arts, that there's a lot of cross-pollination between the United States and, and Canada. I think it's because you're from the upper Midwest and you find them to be your kindred spirits. Well, so I was born in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, but grew up in Minnesota, both of which places sound like you're from Canada and are That's pretty true. culturally Canadian. Um, Alex, I feel like I asked, like, um, I think I asked about the um, the Eskimos, but I don't remember. Did you? Did we you? don't say that. That's the name of their Canadian football team. Oh, the football team? Yeah. So it's like the Indians? Like, we don't say that either? Yeah. Okay. All yeah, right. it, it is I a proper noun that. for a professional sports team. I can get behind that. Um, did you do Oilers and uh, at all? Did you follow the Oilers while you are up there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I... I not wearing it today, but I actually got a brand new Oilers hoodie for Christmas, and so oh. you know, yeah, you t- you do tend to wear more of the like the sci-fi stuff for us, which yeah. I appreciate. What about curling? Did you do any curling? I did do some curling. I uh, I'm not as good at it as I wish I was, but it's I, I find it really fun actually. So try it on a river. Oh, that, yeah, water. that sounds absolutely wild. Um, so you've been out on have you have you been out on a frozen lake or river? Not recently, but you have. Yeah, Christy, have you been? I out? don't even go out on unfrozen lakes and rivers. I don't know how to swim. <laughs> like, I'm not doing any of that. Yeah, you know, it, it it is. If if you haven't been out there from um, from youth, it is a very disconcerting thing. Yeah. So in Minnesota, you know, the lakes would freeze over, and my dad would go. You know, you could go driving out. People had ice fishing houses and all of that. But I have to say, uh, I was back home for Christmas a couple years ago, and probably hadn't been out on the ice in 20 years. And even though you know it's like two feet thick, and you could literally drive a semi on it, you go and you hear the. <laughs> And it's 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 a disconcerting thing. I, your survival fight or flight sort of kicks in, and you're like, "Why, why am I doing this?" Yeah, the running water underneath that would make it even a more terrifying thing. It was it was a moment in my life I'll never forget. Hmm. Yeah. Um. So why 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 doesn't Canada have a better tech sector? So I don't know the details of this a whole lot, and I can't really speak for the country because I haven't lived there for. It's a okay, long time. Uh, you know, Alex speaks for all millennials. You're half Canadian. What's the deal we, with we paint, Canada? We, we make every guest paint with a very broad brush. <laughs> so it's funny. People that have known me in the last ten years, or maybe even fifteen, look at me as more Canadian than I am because my parents moved up there when I was in college. Mm. But I didn't really grow up there. But I'd go visit every summer, and, and I felt very Canadian in the summertime, which. You know, it's like, the best time to be Canadian, I mean, yeah, to be fair. Opinion, I think it is. So, you know, very great strategy there for my parents, you know, trucking us up from California to be there. But, uh, no, the federal government there in Canada has focused on technologies because they want to diversify their economy, specifically Alberta, which has been very heavy in oil and gas and extractive uh, industries. And they've, they've really done some innovative things as far as programs and policy to develop a, a strong technology sector in Toronto and Montreal in my opinion, and also a little bit of in Vancouver have really kind of been the the heart of that uh, that movement. But yeah, they're doing they're doing some things. They're not doing as much as Silicon Slopes, but they're doing some things. Yeah, they don't have a summit. Yeah, they don't have a summit with you know twenty five thousand people. They, in fact, I don't even know if they've got. Well, that was bad. That, that was a bad joke. They do have more than twenty five thousand people up in Canada, but it's it's a pretty um, rural place for the most part well it's hard you know you'd think it'd be easy to count them but it's sort of like penguins they all have to huddle together for warmth and then you start in the middle and you get warm and then you sort of get pushed to the outside and you come back to the middle oh March of the Penguins that was such a good movie um so Christy yes uh Let's say that let's say that Silicon Slopes and all of this has drawn you down to the Greater Salt Lake Metroplex to think about your job opportunities and how you can either get into the industry or perhaps have a, a young plucky 
upstart startup and you've had a day of this and perhaps in the evening you want to relax with some musica, perhaps taking a show. Mm-hmm. What do we got for this week? Not a lot. What? We don't have a lot. What do you mean we don't have There's a lot? There's not a lot going on in the music world this week. I mean, I'll tell you what we've got, but I'm just saying it's not a very good example of of what we generally have in any given week. I think Sundance sucks a lot of oxygen out of the room. The Super Bowl sucks a lot of uh, oxygen yeah. out of the room. So there's just not a whole, there's not a whole lot. I do forget that our listeners are probably up getting their, their nacho cheese sauce rolling yeah, right about now. Frying up those buffalo wings. And, Can yeah. I put a plug in for a really interesting show? Certainly. So Urban Lounge has been remodeling. And they uh, on on Thursday they had a really great show with a hometown favorite called Choir Boy, and I'm a little biased because I'm friends with the band, mm-hmm. but they're really really good, and it was a killer show, and so I just wanted to kind of just I'm not here to kind no, of no, 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 contest fine. with you, Chrissy, but Mm-mm. they're a great band that, that people should be aware of, and I like Urban Lounge as a venue to go check out music. It has been long overdue for the makeover that I it agree. has received, so good for. Good for the boys for finally getting that done. Uh, yeah, so nothing Sunday. Watch the Super Bowl. What, what, what time is kickoff? It's, it's early. It's I like think it's 2 p.m. 2? I think so. I could be Maybe? wrong on that. Maybe mm. 4? It's early. I mean, I like being out west because it's it's early. So So you definitely have to get up and, and make your, your chili and all those sort of things. Yeah, spread. It's, it's like Thanksgiving. And, you have uh-huh. dinner at like 2. Uh-huh. Okay. And you eat all day. Um. Uh, on February 5th, there's a jam band called Trout Steak Revival at the State Room. If you like jam bands, they'll be fine. Oh, Millennial Alex, I wanted to ask you, did you go to the Whalers last week? I did not. <gasps> I missed it. I, I went. I, I was... ended up going because I had some friends who wanted to go, and I had a way better time than I thought I was going to. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I really and wanted to make it. And then Alex Boyer came out with them for no. a while, and I was like, oh, I hope Millennial Alex is here. I even <laughs> have a picture of it. So. I, I'm, I failed you. I'm sorry. I After drunkenly all offered to take a picture of him and a fan in the lobby, and he was very much like, no, I do not need your help. You, and then I wanted to be like, we've talked on the phone about cricket, because I interviewed him once, but I just went to the bathroom instead, because that's where I was headed. You're, you're, um, apparently, you're no Stuart Graves. No, I am I am no Stuart Graves. Uh, Stuart, um, Stuart was on our show, was it last year or the year before? Year before, I think. Talking about uh, how to take selfies with celebrities at uh-huh. Sundance. And I saw that he was on the telly. He was on the television. About... About uh-huh. uh, taking pictures. And he's been on the on, on a, a rival radio station's morning show a couple of times, and uh, and he got lots of good celebrities this year, so he's very excited. Don't ha- we don't have rivals? We don't have rivals. No. I'm looking at you, Bill Allred. Uh, okay, February seventh. Regular listeners will know that I do have a soft spot in my heart for '90s country, and Tracy Lawrence is definitely '90s country, and he's playing the DeJoria Center. And then uh, that's up in Kemp's? Uh huh. That's, I believe, probably where, where you were for some Sundance festivities. Mm, did not get as far as the DeJoria De Center, oh, but I have been. You usually have it. I have been for various things. Uh, February 8th, Martin Sexton at Metro Ooh. Music Hall. Ooh. You like that? What one? day of the week is that? that? I believe that's a Saturday. Ooh, I do love Marty Sexton. Um, and then also, this isn't music, but it sounds like maybe the most fun thing to do over the week is uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 live at the Eccles. Oh. Which could be fun. I didn't know they were still doing Mystery Science Theater. I don't know if it airs anywhere or if they just take the show on the road. I know uh, that I, a few years ago they did a revival on Netflix. Oh, mm. that might be right. And yeah. I know that the original cast does riff tracks 
Uh-huh. They do that live as well as release new things. As yeah. Well. Based out of Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Of course it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. So there's not there's not a whole lot. The next week, I'm at shows like almost every night of the week. I've ar- I've already started apologizing to my child for being gone so much the following week. Yeah, your child I mean, can try Whatever. He's, yeah, my... My son took my car for a joyride when I was at the Whalers, and he doesn't have a license yet. Ooh. And oh. then didn't put the seat back. He only went to the Seven Eleven around the corner, but he had friends over. Oh, he got busted he with, with the and, seat. And he, you know what though? You know what's adorable is he actually told me as soon as I got home. Like he texted me, and he was like, "So I have to tell you something." And so then I told him like all the ways that I would have found out anyway. Um, That's a good son. Yeah, no, he's a good boy, but he, you know, ugh. yeah, driving without a license not good. Not good. Uh, but. He, you should show him Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You can't oh, just go reverse. Oh, no, you can't just tr- you can't yeah, just reverse. I had filled up my gas tank earlier that day, and apparently he and his friends had a very intense conversation about whether they needed to fill my car up again. So that I so they were like focused. You went to on the Seven like, Eleven, right? Right. Yeah. So anyway, he's in a, he's in a little bit of trouble, but not as much trouble as he would have been if I'd figured it out on my own. So it'll it'll all be fine. I mean, he's re- an angel, but I'm taking my car keys with me when I when I leave the house now. Well, since you drive a Fiat, I really feel like a no. bicycle would have been bigger. I know. I don't. <sighs> Parenting teenagers is hard. Just you wait. I think you're doing a Just great job. Just you wait. Thank From you. From the sounds of it, I'm impressed. Thank you. And do we have any? Do we have any specific don'ts? Was um, there anything you were going through? And you? No. It's just there's just kind of a whole lot of nothing really. There's just not. I miss your don'ts. I feel I like 2020, you haven't had a well, strong opinions you know, about things. You know Christy. what it is? Is it's because there's not a lot of concerts until summer. Like summer is when those don't. Those terrible like read every memory like the the uh, nostalgia shows and all of that come through and that's and that's those are the ones i have strong feelings about generally speaking so do you have no nostalgia no i'm dead inside can i have strong feelings about something yeah mm-hmm. anyone want to talk about the tax referendum or is that not this show no we can talk we can talk about we it. can talk about whatever it is that you sure. that you want to talk about uh if you want to jump tax referendum you want to jump inland port you want to do like you Ooh. bring it bring it brother yes. bring it no i i just want to say that it's really interesting to see what companies did to kind of step up and give the citizens of Utah a voice to do something a little bit different than maybe what the legislature was looking to do. Okay, so perhaps, perhaps yeah, you clearly, I mean, being in the state, you, you probably know more about it than I. So uh, would one of the two of you like to recap what the, uh, the tax referendum issue is for people who might not know what the issue is, such as myself? Long story short, they're just trying to broaden the tax base, and they're going. They're doing that by taxing services, but then they also introduced uh, additional taxes on food. So it's a sale. It's a sales tax. It's a sales, sales tax. tax. But there's. It's pretty complex. I don't think I'm going to get into it because I'm going to get some things wrong. But I will say, there's some things that need to be changed because of the way things are structured with the general fund and the way that income tax gets funneled into education. Mm. And so I applaud the legislator, legislators for t- trying to do something. I think that a food tax uh, is, the food tax is what really kind of uh, set people off and said, hey, we don't, we don't want to do that. Be- because of the regressive nature of poor people spending more of a percentage of their income on food? That, that is it. And they tried to have vouchers and you know, other mechanisms to try to get refunds into the pockets of people who uh, would qualify, you know, the, the lower income people. But uh, it's still hard to say, is that going to solve that problem and, and give them additional funding that they were paying in taxes? So it's tricky. Christy, you look like you have a, a, a thing or two to say. I always have a lot to say about the Utah legislature. I will just say, um, not only did, did 
companies like Harmons step up um, and use their spaces for petition signing, but countless volunteers did the same thing. And and I there's an undeniable pattern in Utah right now uh, where the legislative body and the executive body decide to do one thing, and then the citizens decide to do something else entirely. It's happened with Medicaid expansion. It's happened with medical marijuana. It's happened with the tax, tax referendum. Gerrymandering. And so, so I would say that as much as the demographics of this state are changing due to some of the good work of the governor's office of economic development our elected officials may heed those warnings and start voting in our best interests instead of theirs in the future is that your is, is that your hot take for 2020 when we talk about what's at the end of the year that's that, a strong strong opinion strongly held yeah so uh obviously i mean i'm an art historian i'm not a tax specialist but uh so you have sales tax you have property tax and you have income tax are those sort of the big three buckets is there another tax i'm isn't i mean corporate tax is really just sort of some form of either an income or a sales tax right i mean those are sort of the big three i'm not again not my bailiwick you know i don't know the details that sounds about right i know there are other mechanisms but i I don't feel comfortable putting on my tax hat other than what I've already said. Ooh, what does a tax hat look like? I mean, it's a boring. It's a pretty boring hat. Is, is it like a? Is it like a British, like a derby or a bowler, like something very stodgy? It might be. It might even just be. Or is it one of those visors that like accountants wear that comes yeah. with a pair of arm garters? That very serious poker poker players oh, also yeah, play yeah. With, with, wear with glasses. Yeah, huh. maybe. I don't know. Do you, you don't. I, I mean, hope it's you, like a derby hat, but I think all hats should be like derby hats. But you're not talking like a derby. You're talking like Kentucky derby. Kentucky derby. You're yeah. talking like with flowers and, and jewels and, and big and obnoxious. When is the Kentucky Derby? First Saturday in May. Oh. How do you not know that? How have we been friends for so long and you don't know that? That's disgusting. We've watched the derby. We have celebrated the derby I together, and you still don't remember. I don't remember the date. I just remember it's general springish. First Saturday in May. Every year. Uh, You're listening to AM 1280, 97.5 FM The Zone. This is SLC Culture. We've sort of been talking a little bit, uh, uh, meandering as we do, a little bit about the tech sector, Um, you know, technology, Silicon Slopes, what it is in the Silicon Slopes Summit. So one of the things that uh, I hear often, and I'm curious how this sort of affects the, the tech industry, is that one of the, this was sort of the start with MLMs, but I think that the tech industry has grabbed onto this, that Utah is the most, thanks to our friends in the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is one of the most polylingual states, if not the most polylingual state in the country. So for people who need any sort of language, what, is, 200 and, uh, what does the Missionary Training Center say? 212, I think that's bones in the human body. I'm just, it's <laughs> a so temperature water boils. I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm picking a number here. But what is the quantity, of, like sure quantity of languages, and what does that sort of do to develop, to, to bring talent here and sort of anchor that in, a, in an ever-expanding global economy? So I don't know that exact number, but I do know that's a major talking point that the state uh, kind of throws out there because it is such a unique feature. A so talking I, point in so many languages. Hey. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought it up. But really what it did is it kind of spurred a lot of, um, oh, what's the word I'm trying to look for? The uh, call centers. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of call centers because they can you know, access you know, talent that had a lot of different abilities to speak languages. But then it also kind of became this thing. So Governor Huntsman put in World Trade Center Utah as like, hey, let's put Utah on the map after the Olympics and make sure that we recognize uh, that the world recognizes that we actually have a pretty inter- international flair here, mm-hmm. even though we're a landlocked state. And and with that, there's a lot of international companies. In fact, OOCL, which is a shipping company, has their North American headquarters in Utah, which I don't think a lot of people know about. It but sounds like we need a port. 
Oh, that's a that's a topic. How much time do we have left on this show? Well, since both of you are still uh, gainfully employed by by various <laughs> governments, we should probably avoid that. I mean, I, what, I mean, I can talk about it forever, but. Um, Alex, when so you, did you have to learn another language? The, do, so, do all missionaries have to learn another language, even if you're going to a principally English-speaking place? Because it seems dashedly unfair if they had to learn something and you didn't. No, no, I uh, I was called as an English-speaking missionary, uh, so I went in and just spoke my normal language. But I did have some interesting experiences in that I trained the first missionary that was called Spanish-speaking to that mission, oh. and he learned Spanish in the MTC, and I don't know any Spanish at all. And so it was a very interesting dynamic of trying to, you know, primarily work in Spanish without knowing any Spanish. Huh. So, and they didn't tell you when you're at the training center, like how many languages, that wasn't a thing that they like threw out there? They probably did. And I just ignored it because I wasn't one of them. So, so, so what do you do with your, ex- I, I don't know anything about the missionary training. So what do you do with your extra time? If all these people are spending so much time learning other languages, what do you do with that time? So the, the, the missionaries that actually spend time learning languages are there for an extended period of time. Oh, so there it is. English speaking missionaries. I was there for two and a half weeks where. That's all, that's all you need to know about Canada. Yeah. And <laughs> Tim Hortons. Okay. You're good. Yeah. That was basically it. It was just, all right. You're a missionary now. Just kind of get used to the schedule. All right, ship you off to the north. Um, but everybody else, it was you know they spend three months there learning the language. It's shocking to me that you can learn a language in three months. They must have a magic system. They for, have lots of magic for teaching. Yeah. I mean, I I literally took French in high school. I retook it as an undergrad, and I retook it again in grad school. And I, yeah, it just well, never stuck. And, and you know, talking to most of my friends and family members that went foreign speaking for them learning the language in the MTC they were like you really just barely learn the basics and then they throw you in and you sink or swim sure. it's, it's the immersion it's the immersion mm-hmm. theory yeah hmm. well, did you learn another language Christy mm. I'm, I'm like you I took a year of Spanish I took a year of French nothing nothing really stuck except for the sarcasm I'm pretty fluent in Pig Latin but oh. other than that that's I th- all I got is it, that's, the, that's the native language of your of rural Kentucky it where is. you're from uh-huh. it is re- you can't be a pig wrestling champion without speaking a little pig Latin are you a pig wrestling champion uh-huh. yeah that's never come up that's so weird Clark did you learn another language I didn't regretfully but I have aspirations to learn Spanish hmm I find it interesting that you went to, to Canada and I, I mean I guess Spanish I understand they didn't want you to do French huh Edmonton, there's very, very little French. I did have a... Anti-Quebecois Edmonton? A little bit. I did have a a companion from Montreal, and so I tried to pick up a little bit from him, but I I learned only the Quebecois, so like, you know, anybody that actually speaks French is like appalled by Mm -hmm. what I know, by what little I know, because it's nasty. A a little grain of knowledge is worse than no knowledge at all. Um, So, how, I guess back to, I, I mean, we meandered as we often do. So... So the multilingual stuff, you said the call centers. Oh, that's where I was going to go with this. Um, when are all tech jobs create uh, from an economic development standpoint from say, and maybe I, uh, maybe there's your personal side and I understand that this is sort of your job too. But I remember um, when Mayor Biskupski was sort of doing some of her wrap up stuff and talking about her successes and her failures. One of the things that she said she was actually disappointed about was the Amazon was bringing Amazon here and the type of jobs that got brought and the ones that were sort of promised up front, but that were delivered. And so when we talk about tech jobs and I think um, maybe sometimes we, you know, we think, you know, developers or multi six figure jobs, but then, you know, sometimes it's this call center side and sort of, and, and I, is there a darker side to the tech? Are all tech jobs created equal when we have these great economic statistics that say that we're one of the top three lowest unemployment uh, states? I mean, uh, do we value all of those the same? Is it something that you can say, well, this is an 
these might not be the highest paying, highest skilled jobs, but it's an entry. And if Amazon has a good experience with this, they might bring in. Like, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So they're not all created equal. Although it's interesting when a company like Amazon, which is very deeply rooted in tech, but when they have a fulfillment center. And those jobs being very different, and also just the nature of those jobs being very, very different than, say, an engineer or right. you know, it's a, a it's more of a logistics job at that it, point. It is. So there's some unique features that way. But when the state looks at it, we look at the average wage within a county. So mm-hmm. it varies, you know, from county to county, and we want to see jobs that are above, uh, well above that. Mm-hmm. And so when we're taking a look and count, kind of counting jobs. That's that's the differentiator. Is, is it significantly above the county average, and is it a high wage job? And the reason why is, the higher the wage, the stronger that'll anchor a family. Whether that's you know, family being one person, family being three to five people in Utah, it's a little bit different. You know, discussion here. Um, there are a lot of you know, typically more kids uh, mm-hmm. per family. But what that does is that anchors that uh, that unit, and mm-hmm. so that's the focus. Okay. Um, what was my? I had a follow up question to it. Do, 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 do. Can I say something? To yeah, add to of course. That? So Spencer Eccles, who was the head of the old old Spencer, young Spence, young. Okay. He he said something that was really impactful to me before he he left to to go back in the private sector. Is he he really did tie economic development and the fact that it's typically focused on jobs to those jobs being something that are tied to a person and tied to a family. And for me, that kind of like struck a chord of like, yeah, sure, we talk about jobs. We talk about, you know, this interesting company or this business doing this, and it's all interesting. We, we love to kind of tout that. But when it comes right down to it, it's, it's kind of giving the opportunity for economic prosperity for an individual or, you know, a couple individuals that have formed kind of a unit or a group. And I think that's what it kind of comes down to in Utah. Uh, that kind of drives home the point of, of those things for me. Uh, as an economic developer? <laughs> um, I know what I was going to ask. Uh, you, you said one of the things that you manage is a grant program. We haven't really touched on that. Do you want to talk a little bit about what the grant program is? And Yeah. So we're in a unique f- kind of phase in the grant program. We actually haven't provided additional funding for the for over uh, almost two years now. But I'm still managing the relationships with the companies that we did provide grant funding for for about five years. Uh, long story short, the legislature didn't find a lot of value in a technology-based economic development organization, and they got rid of it. Hmm. And when they got rid of that, they also got rid of the grant program that I managed within the office that I work in. So there's a little bit of a void right now when it comes to supporting technology and innovation on a state level. And I think that we're going to see that change when there's a new governor. But we're in an interesting situation. But I will still say there's a lot of exciting things still happening. Funding is a is an issue for some industries like life sciences, and I, I think funding is an issue for every industry. But I, I agree. Well, the thing that's unique about life sciences, which is the predominant industry that received funding, you know, mm-hmm. through this grant program, is called TCIP. Uh, is life science companies have a long roadmap um, to commercialize right. to go to market. It costs a lot more money to develop technologies that way as opposed to like software where you can ramp up really quickly. And then there's a ton of regulatory red tape to get through. And you couple those things together and also just like the high cost of like running labs and things like that. It's just a tough, it's a tough industry. And so what the state has been able to do in the past and what I hope they'll do in the future is offer some support, whether that's through maybe a technology revolving loan fund, maybe it's a grant program, although we've seen that that's not popular, to help support that specific industry. I love grants, but then again, you know, I'm a I'm I'm a crazy I'm a crazy artsy socialist. So free money coming from somewhere. Um, so our regular listeners will, will know that we're part of a two-hour arts and culture block. Following us is the Movie Zone with Austin and Adrian. 
Uh, so one of the things that we do is we always like to ask people what their favorite movie is in relation to the topic. So today's topic, uh, we could say technology and or economic development. Uh, so And it can be any movie from, from all time. Uh, so what is your favorite movie relating to either technology or economic development? Can we just say business in general? Yeah, I mean, I don't really want it to be about banking, like, I, or or like, or Jerry Maguire. I mean, or sports. I mean, come on, come on, we can do. Who it. do you think I am? Someone I don't. I don't know. I'm going to say The Matrix, so I'm just going to jump right in. I've never and, seen The Matrix. And we're going to say that we're working towards a disto. Speaking of biotech, where people are going to be plugged in and, and empowering the machines. Anyway, I'm grabbing The Matrix. I don't. Nothing. No. Alex? I feel stifled by your rules. <laughs> it's the same rules I have every week. <laughs> I'm going to say 2001 A Space Odyssey. Because hmm. there's kind of that, you know, open the door. Sorry, Dave. I can't do that. Uh, Hal, take, Hal, Hal taking Hal over. Hal is kind of the AI. You uh-huh. know, so no, I'm with some you. Some early, early warnings about the potential dangers of AI. <laughs> I mentioned mine early. I'm just going to say it again and it's a Sundance film so you're gonna have to watch out for it unless you can get to it in the next you know little bit but coded bias it's six women leading the fight for civil rights in the digital age I was I was very pleased with how well it was done and I learned a lot still nothing Christy I'm just gonna say Glengarry Gun Ross because I don't have to play by your rules and coffee is for closers and Whoa. so that's what I was gonna do I guess it's development real estate business. I'll development I'll take it business with a question mark. what you got against David Mamet huh Alec Baldwin. Yeah, your new best friend. My new my new BFF. <laughs> uh, okay, for the uh, so Austin, uh, what is your favorite film that pertains to uh, technology or business? Or, Play by your own rules, oh, Austin. Geez. Well, thanks. Thanks for having us back. Appreciate it. Yeah, Adrian will be with me at the top of the hour. We got the movie zone coming your way. Uh, really light month uh, at the movie theater. Uh, January is affectionately known as Dump Month guess technically we're past january now be it be it uh sunday but we don't have much this week gretel and hansel if that sounds familiar it's because hansel and gretel you, you get it there and that they've made it into a horror film and it's worth nobody's time so we'll have a, a, a show for you don't know what we're going to talk about but join us at the top of the hour for the movie zone in the meantime uh, to address your topic technology few movies come to mind i can't believe none of you thought of and I'm, I'm mad at Alex more than anyone no one Alex you didn't think of iRobot come on man you're better than that I'm, I'm teasing Alex uh, Tron comes to mind uh, social network obviously with technology the first one though the, that legitimately popped in my mind was the net Sandra Bullock and, and the net uh, a movie that surprisingly still really holds up even though every piece of technology in that movie is completely uh, useless nowadays, but it does still hold up somewhat. The Matrix, as, as mentioned uh, by, by you guys, and uh, just a few things uh, like, uh, uh, how about the minor- Minority Report, I think, is a brilliant movie, and I think someday it's going to be, obviously we're not going to be able to predict uh, to the extent where we can see the murder happening, but I think we're going to get to the point where people are being pre-charged with things based on conditions that they have and I don't know how I feel about it uh, uh, because I think the 1 in 17 million chance that you save you know anyway we're getting into the weeds here it's a little it's just kind of uh, it's fascinating to me that that is so far out there but yet I could see a dystopian future where that 
somewhat is the case anyway this is what you're going to get on today's movie zone a lot of rambling a lot of nonsense and i can't wait to have you join us at uh, eight o'clock thanks back to you guys Okay, so going into our last segment, and you know it's interesting because you're the first person from the from the state who has been on here uh, because the Department of Tourism is a little bit of my whipping boy, and I think that falls under GoEd, so I apologize uh, ahead of time, but I'll say my spiel anyways. Uh, I think that the state does a tremendous job on a national level, and I, I know this from when I have both traveled, but when I lived away, of marketing Utah as a place to come visit to fly into Salt Lake City and then leave as fast as possible to go to the Mighty Five National Parks or go skiing. I do not think that we as a state, and I think that the county, actually, I'll throw the county under the bus for this to visit Salt Lake, uh, spends a lot of time pushing people out, and I'm like, Salt Lake is a cool enough cultural place that I think people should just come here because there's cool things to do. And so I ask every guest, and I have for four years, sorry, Governor's Office of Economic Development, Office of Tourism, and, and Business Salt Lake. The, governor, the Governor's Office is for about the entire state, right? So in, that includes Salt Lake. Right, but I just I just don't think we do a good job of marketing Salt Lake as a cultural destination. Okay. That's just my, my, my opinion. Right. Uh, so I ask all of my guests uh, to basically play concierge for a day. Let's say you have a guest coming in from out of town, uh, from wherever, and you're going to say like, oh, hey, you know, here's an itinerary. Walk me through a day of taking advantage of sort of the, the greater Salt Lake area of just like the arts, the culture, the food, things to do, and you are not allowed to send them skiing or to a national park. Like, it's, it's about the culture that is here. So I spent the last seven years living close to Liberty Park, so I'd start at Liberty Park, I would then get downtown and, and walk along Main Street because I think it's great. I'd maybe try to get a bite to eat at my favorite speakeasy, The Rest. Oh, I yeah. Think it's, a, it's, it's got a really unique vibe. Yeah. I think it's cool. Under Bodega. It, it, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was a jazz game, I would definitely hit up a jazz game. I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. Love what we're doing That's right now. That's a slam dunk. This year. <laughs> easy. Mm. Uh. <laughs> it was a reverse slam dunk. Mm. It was so easy to just put a plug in for this mm-hmm. awesome team that we have. But yes, I, I would try to go and do something that way. I think Abravenal Hall uh, typically has some really incredible things, and the architecture is, is I think it's, it's one of my favorite buildings. If there's young kids involved, I'd head up to the Natural History Museum. Great museum. I actually happened to get married at that building, but even before that, it was one of my favorite buildings, and I think it's an incredible asset to the city. Yeah, the, the architecture and the programming of the Natural History Museum is incredible. I think it's probably the best museum in the state. No bones about it. Because oh. Oh. there's tons of dinosaur bones. Oh, I get it. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Dad jokes. Mm. Um, okay, so... Uh, Favorite um, favorite restaurant for a special occasion, like uh, anniversary, birthday, graduation? Oh, boy. I've never been to Valters, but I <laughs> plan on going uh, eventually. But I, I, So I know that's legitimately probably one of the best restaurants there is. In and the you've Mountain got Valters. And, yeah, so, and, and, so he's, and he's, an, yeah, he's an asset to the Dinner, dinner with some theater and some truffles. Right. I'd say curry fried chicken, though, if I'm just like... Oh, for on casual, State Street. It's, mm-hmm. it's so good. And the people that run it are very, are very nice. Mm, that's, a, that's, that's a hot take for a date night or a special occasion. Maybe for you. You obviously don't spend as much time at the stateroom as I do. I do not. State yeah. room isn't, uh, I do I, not. Can I put a plug in for something going on at the stateroom? What just is it? Place? Is that okay? <laughs> you <laughs> yes. brought it up. I just yes, want to go totally after good. it. So this last week on Thursday night, uh, a friend of mine that works at KUER, and I'm sorry I'm mentioning another radio station on a radio station. You can edit it out if you want. But he has this podcast called Preach, and he did his first live kind of showing. Mm-hmm. And it's really unique to Utah in the fact that he was a reporter for KUER. He covered the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And as he did that, his own 
experience and feelings towards the religion he raised was raised in kind of changed and evolved. Mm-hmm. And through that, he started this podcast. He got a grant, as we've talked about how great grants are. The grants are great. Here in this space, especially in arts, arts and culture. And he has this incredible podcast that he brings in people from all different faiths and talks about spirituality um, and kind of what roots them in it. And it's not even tied to religion so, so much, but kind of just some interesting topics around that. And uh, anyways, that took place on Thursday. It was an awesome event. It was at the State Room, which in my opinion is low-key like maybe the best venue in Salt Lake City. I would I would say it's one of the best venues in the country. I it's, love the state it's room. It's so good. It's magical. It really is. And apparently it's by Curry Fried Chicken, which I curry enjoy fried Curry Fried Chicken. If you're looking for a great date, get the Curry Fried Chicken in State, state Room. room. Mm-hmm. There you go. And then on go state across street. the street to Bayou after. Yeah. Well, uh, since we've planned the next uh, Christy's next Bumble date, <laughs> uh, or Alex's next, I can't even keep track of all of your <laughs> dates. We will leave it at that. Thank you for spending last hour with us. You've been listening to AM twelve eighty and ninety seven point five FM The Zone. This has been S. SLC Culture. Uh, Thank you, Christy. Uh, Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Clark. Uh, Stay tuned for the Movie Zone coming up next, and we'll talk to you next week.